0: The Fantasy Road Show.
1: Welcome in to another episode of The Fantasy Road Show. This episode is brought to you by Rule One Proteins. If you're looking to get some supplements, some uh, uh, vitamins, whatever you need, they got it. Go check them out at www.ruleoneproteins.com. You guys know the drill. My name is Truck. I'm joined as always by Culls and Shane O'Mack. And today we have a special guest, Lucas Profetti, the Bears Extraordinaire. Lucas, how you doing, buddy?
2: I'm doing well. Um, you know, just suffering through more Bears football. Um, I, I I feel like we're in that like five stages of grief mode where I'm in acceptance, where I'm like, yeah, the Bears are bad. Mm-hmm. And sooner than later draft will come free agency. I'll convince myself that they're going to be better than they'll be. Um, so, you know, let's just uh, let's get it rolling.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an exciting time to be a Bears fan. Um, You know, usually around this time, there's not too much to be excited about. We've had some pretty high picks in the last couple of years, you know, drafting fields and stuff, but I feel like right now is the most exciting time to be a Bears fan. Bears are all the talk uh, in the sports uh, uh, media world. So, uh, but calls Shane, how you guys doing, man?
0: Yeah. I'll give some background. Luke, what's going on, brother. We've, uh, Luke and I go way back. I mean, Probably to like high school I would say but even before then we probably knew of each other since God sixth through eighth grade something like that
2: freshman year yeah Um, yeah
0: freshman year is kind of when we really started hanging out with mutual friends but it's been gosh not to age us and sound old but over 10 15 years since we've last connected um but as we started the podcast you know Luke's very active on Bears Twitter um has podcast barely there um as i don't know if what your plans are there but um we can just kind of get into bears talk um i think as ryan just said a lot of the conversation is going to be chicago bears what are they doing with the draft pick you know there is already whispers of hard knocks so it's a very exciting time to be a bears fan and i know luke you've mentioned um that you've yeah, I've seen on Twitter that you've muted a lot of Bears talk and Caleb uh, just in conversation, but wanted to bring you on to kind of go into a deep dive here today.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, it just gets so repetitive. And like I was already I already felt like I, I got beat up by it before, like we even made it to the Super Bowl. Right. So I was like, all right, we still have until April. I do think if there's a Fields trade, it'll be coming in between the opening of free agency and after the combine. Um, so we might see some instant relief, but, you know, poll said it was going up until draft day uh, opposed to last year where they seemed a lot more open to trading the pick. Um, so, you know, I, I had to just take a little break from it cause it's like every single day and it's always the faceless Twitter Ooh. accounts that are like 11 to 14 year olds that just freak out on people and have nothing else to do. And it's like, dude, I got a job and stuff. Like I can't, I can't see this in my feed all day long. So um had to mute a couple of words there, but i'm I'm actually ready to re-engage because I just feel like I have a different perspective now that that the season's over, and you know, really had some more time to think on it and cook on it.
0: yeah. so I think what would be best? Let's just kind of I don't think we're going to have any kind of uh, agenda here, but I, I want to get a little bit of you know your background couple different podcasts if you've done where, where you're headed um, and just talk a little bit about your you know fantasy football experience what your preferred game style is uh, and kind of just get a little bit of background from you and then we'll have truck set the stage on where the bears current landscape is and what are going to be the main storylines uh, that we're going to be talking about here over the next few months and then just kind of dive into what our stance is and, and it'll be conversational and, and go from there.
2: Yeah. Cool. Um, no, it sounds, sounds awesome. I'm really excited to be doing this episode with you guys. Um, when it comes to podcasting and that good stuff, I actually started a a website, maybe shit, it's already 2024. It was probably like seven or eight years ago at this point called bears coverage.com. Um, and then I had a, a, a group contact me, which there, I won't, I won't give them any, there, there wasn't the greatest uh, exit on that. So I'm not going to give them any recognition um, approached yeah. me. And um, you know, I started exclusively writing blogs and stuff like that for them uh, was leader of their bears team. We did a podcast and then me and another guy, um, my buddy Duke, we broke off, <laughs> did our barely there podcast. I I kind of am starting to get the itch to start writing again. Just because I feel like it's, you know, if you write a really, I feel like I'm the type of person that gives every Bears podcast writer, stuff like that, a chance. If you're a blogger, the lowest level, if I see something on Twitter, like that doesn't look like it's going to give my phone a virus, I'll click on it and give, you know, if you're going to give me a well thought out article, like I'll give you a follow and and check things out. Um, And I just feel like I was someone that was really way more of the analytical film study mind versus like the hey, this is some clickbait, right? And I, it, it, you put a lot of energy in those types of articles. So, you know, with growing up and having to make more money, those kind of things, like I was in, I was out of college and I lived in LA just kind of like working as a bartender. So I had nothing but time at that moment in time. Now it's, you know, I'm a little bit more packed schedule wise, but I might break into that again. Um, You know, I've been in misery for 33 years. I will date myself as a Bears fan. Like I've been watching this, I've been studying it. I've, seen the different regimes come and go um and it's just it's starting to wear on me brother like i i'm seeing this i'm starting to see the arc of some of these older bears fans where they're just like <laughs> i can't deal with the mccaskies like before i was always like no ted phillips isn't that big of a deal right when i was younger like no it's the gm's fault and it's like no no it's it's an organizational organizational issue and like it's starting to like i'm starting to have little to no faith, especially because i again i we're in that stages of grief where you're like acceptance right now. But there was a time where I was like, man, Kevin Warren might be our, our white light. Like he might be the one to break the cycle. We have this chance. And then you kind of realize like he's Ted Phillips part two with this, with this whole Arlington Heights thing and that direction of things. So, um, you know, that's, that's kind of my history in terms of podcasting and bear stuff when it comes to fantasy, I'm a standard guy, man. The only, the only, um, I, I like standard redraft. I did start dabbling with, you know, I orphan in league in dynasty. Um, and I did a startup league in dynasty as well last year. I'm really looking to, and if you guys have your ear to the ground, I really have been trying to get into an IDP league for like five years. And it seems like no one has any interest in that at all. Uh, I'm a big defensive guy. I, I, you know, being a bears fan, I've, I've only seen good defense. I don't really watch a lot of good offense. So, um, I would like to get into one of those, but yeah, man, I'm a standard six point passing touchdown guy. Like I, I, I do like some of the other things I joined a guillotine league last year with, that was probably my so awesome different format. Right. Cause mm-hmm. it's like a confidence pool and you just kind of have to be not the worst every single week and <clears throat> get that fab and free agency. I really enjoyed that format a lot. Um, when it comes to the super flex stuff, it, it, it's, it's cool because it's like, I do like sleeper and Hey, we have a tight end premium or a running back premium league. And it does change the way the draft is going to go. Um, so that's cool. But when it comes to like, I still feel like the, the most competitive leagues I'm in, I have two home leagues where it's like older guys aren't really plugged into the fantasy world. Right. Like they're not overthinking it. They're just like, yeah, Debo Samuel is a good football player. So I'm going to take him in the fourth round opposed to being like, ah, oh, well this value and that, value. you know what I mean? Like sometimes yeah. you suck yourself out. So it's like my home standard leagues that seem to be the most competitive where you're like, damn dude, like who is this guy and why is this team like this versus, you know, the people that are writing like 30, 30 paragraph essays about why this guy's going to fall off like Mike Evans, right? Like Mike Evans has always been that borderline guy where someone's always pushing him out of that top five, top 10 conversation at wide receiver. And he seems to always catch 10 touchdowns and 1200 yards. And you're just like, why the fuck is this guy here in the seventh round? Right. Um, Whereas in my, my home leagues, I don't think there's that much overthinking. So I am a standard guy. I do like, I like the running backs having the power. Um, You know, I'm typically, uh, I'll draft four running backs in the first three lines, three, four running backs in the first four rounds, even though there's only three slots to start a running back. Cause I just feel like you get that three headed monster in a standard league and you're booming, right? You're ready to go. So um, is that, is that, uh, does that cover everything you asked me?
0: Yeah, for sure. So, On the IDP thing, that this is definitely not an IDP podcast. I know. I I just I I, (laughs) it's it's very niche. Um and I, I just I can't get I have so many moving parts as it is that for me to when I get into my stance in these games is I look for every competitive advantage to try to shrink that you know that random um getting whatever dalvin cook go off for 60 in a playoff like some of those things you can't control but i try to control everything that i can and take advantage of all of the you know little competitive advantages you can take so i can't learn another style and find all of those little nuances that you can control i just i can't do it i don't have the time for that right now um but I have one question. So you said you're a standard league guy. Truck has a saying here on the podcast that <laughs> PPR is standard. When you say standard, is that that is non-PPR, correct?
2: Uh, I, if I were to pick, I would pick a half point PPR. If, if that would be my yeah. ideal league. Um, I agree. And no reason should see, this is my thought and truck, no offense to you. Cause I, I know I'm against the grain on this. I know mm-hmm. you are you are with the norm and I am the old head that, you know, is kind of an idiot for this, for this take. But if Deontay Johnson has seven receptions for 35 yards and for some reason has more points than say, you know, someone with 20 yards and a touchdown, like that doesn't sit well with me. Right. Like you, you had 35 yards. Like, like, did you contribute, you know, it is fantasy football, but like who contributed more to their team winning? The guy that scored the touchdown or the guy that had seven receptions, and you know, four of them were screens, and they didn't do shit. So that's just my thought process. Half point, I think, is that perfect middle ground. Um, but I'm, dude, I'm most of my leagues I'm in are full PPR, other than my my home league. Yeah, I can I can respect that.
1: I I, I understand what you're saying, uh, factoring in the real world uh, football and, and who makes an impact. That makes a lot of sense. But for me, it's just you know we play fantasy football to have fun, and what's more fun than scoring points? You know, so the more points, the better. That's my ideology on it. Um, And I I think receptions are uh, an important part of football. So I I like valuing that so that I I just stick with that because I I don't like doing half point PPR. I don't like doing standard. I hardly ever even acknowledge standard leagues without uh, any half point or full point, but uh, I am, I'm a little, uh, uh, you know, very much on that side of the fence with PPR. That's all.
0: So I, I think I agree that half point PPR is my preferred um, option. It doesn't get too carried away. I mean, now you're seeing... The game is such a pass-heavy he- game now that you're seeing guys get 10-plus catches every week, um, which could just absolutely bury a team, right? Like, C.D. Lamb had a couple of games where he had 14 catches north of 150 yards and a touchdown or two, and like that's so hard to come back from playing against that. Um, but, yeah, um, I think the super flex point you made, I saw... A lot of leagues kind of trending that direction. I feel like it became a lot more common over this past year. And then this year, half of the league's quarterbacks get injured and people are like, fuck (laughs) super flex. I don't want to start Aiden O'Connell and, you know, whoever. (laughs) So I think this year kind of may have put a little bit of a ding in that um, as the future. I don't know what your guys' thoughts are there. What about you, Luke?
2: I I mean, so... Superflex doesn't. It, it's so I'm in one of my dynasty leagues. Is like every passing attempt, you get like point two points or something like that, right? Like it's the 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 statistics are so inflated. And I I'm I'm the asshole that's like, hey, uh, here's 150 bucks. Yeah, I'll orphan this league, no problem, right? Like I don't I don't look into the stats or anything like that. I'm like I'll figure it out as I go. Um, so. Uh, with a six point passing touchdown and then you get a bonus for any pass that's over like 25 yards and over 40 yards and stuff like that, the, the quarterback stats are so inflated that it's like, you cannot compete in this. league. You yeah. don't have two elite quarterbacks. Like you are. Mm-hmm. Fucked. It's basically I, a two QB league. Ex- exactly. Yeah. Whereas if I'm in a super flex league, that's four point passing touchdown, none of the extra stuff, right? Like you get the standard um, it's 25 yards for, for one point, but it's on a decimal system. Like then it's cool. Cause then it's like, hey, if I decide to take CeeDee Lamb with my first pick, that's going to compete with the quarterback right in a full PPR or something like that. Or I actually just did a, <clears throat> a dynasty draft where I traded from three to 12 because I'm a big fan of the bookend picks and like just having 13 guys in the queue and knowing like, hey, I'm going to get two of these 13 guys. If I have to trade up, I can. Um, so I actually was able to get Trevor Lawrence and Sam Laporta. It was a team in, tight end premium league in the turnaround. Right. And then coming back I had in like the fifth round I got Jared Goff. So I'm like, okay, like I can compete now with Jared Goff and Trevor Lawrence, like because it's a four-point passing touchdown league. If it's one of those, like I said, one of those inflated stat ones, um, you have no shot. You have no shot unless you have like a Josh Allen and he's playing at his highest level, right? Or like even Jalen Hurts last year, he had a pretty good year, but by his standard from where he was from from his ADP, like – he was kind of killing teams. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't as good as he was. Well, the tush push helps, right? Um, 15 rushing touchdowns. Well, (laughs) what I thought
0: was interesting with him is like, if you would have thought just football alone, that team fell so hard and he kind of stuck around that 20 to 23 point range just because of the tush push. like Because he was getting those rushing touchdowns, right? Yeah. Um, it pains but. me to
2: say it as a fellow Calabrese, but I just think Nick Sirian is the biggest fucking fraud on the planet, and I think that's <laughs> that. um, why they- I love I love that
1: <laughs> clip where uh, um, he's on the sideline and he's really leaning over, shouting, talking shit to the other team. And Jalen Hurts looks over and was like, "Dude, calm, like stop." Let's, why is your you quarterback stop?
2: more and more mature than you? Like, yeah. 20, that that clip, that. that
1: clip blew my mind. I was like, "Okay, I'm done." This guy is just over the top shouting in the tunnels at, at the chiefs and, uh, and whatnot. But we we uh,
0: came here, we came here to talk bears. Let's get back on track before that. I want to say, so we're not, we don't have any IDP leagues. We can put on your radar. However, we are doing a string of listener leagues this year. um, And we're going to have, we're going to have a dynasty league startup we're going to have a guillotine league as you mentioned Um, guillotine is just there's so much strategy there and there's so much analysis you can really get lost in analysis with that which is what i love is like you know seeing the averages of what players were getting auctioned off for and just kind of seeing the evolution of that throughout the season is so fun so i'm excited to introduce these guys to guillotine they've never done it um it is so fun but um yeah and then one We're going to try a league that I think would be my personal favorite. And it's a best ball redraft league to where you're managing a roster of players, but you're not necessarily setting the lineups. You're just having your optimum lineup get set, Um, which I think would be interesting because so many people beat themselves up over setting rosters, but here is just like compiling the best 20, rostered team i don't know i think it would be fun and we'll see how it goes it could miserably fail but i'm i'm I excited for that Thought I, it could be an interesting concept yeah
1: yeah i make the wrong decision constantly <laughs> like i'm always sunday morning shane and i are yeah. on uh, on a live talking about who we should start and and uh frequently i uh, make the wrong decision
3: yeah right. or i'm sitting there evaluating the uh weather the rain the wind and <laughs> Benching people because of forty mile an hour winds, only to see it blow up in my face.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, I think you did that with Flacco this year. He had like three hundred and fifty and three yeah. touchdowns, yeah. and you said because <laughs> of the <laughs> You just gotta ride him, dude. You yeah. ride him. That guy's got
2: yeah. a fucking cannon. Um, yeah. So, but no, we'll I
0: mean, keep you posted uh, on that. What's up? Uh, the, we'll keep you posted on the guillotine league for sure. Um, and and we'll uh Ooh. we'll get you involved in whatever you you, you know whatever you want to be involved in. So.
2: Cool. If you don't mind me asking, and I'm I'm a big fan of best ball as well. That dynasty I joined actually is um is a best ball league as well. It's a best ball dynasty because I'm I'm oh, at a wow. point where, you know, like how many leagues are you guys in? You know, I have four leagues, two dynasty, and two my two home leagues that I um that I redraft every year. Where it's like, okay, I set four different lineups, but I feel like. I got to the point where I was up to like 10 at a point and I was like, I have to scale back because now all my teams are playing each other and I need this guy to just get a touchdown. And I, you know what I mean? Like I need to try to, so I'm trying to win all four matchups, right. Or all six matchups, whatever it is. So now I'm totally open to best ball and guillotine type leagues. Cause if I'm not mistaken, guillotine is pretty much set up like best ball. um, Or at least the league I was in was a best ball guillotine league. So how many, how many do you guys manage like in terms of, setting your lineup are you in that like 10 20 I know guys that are doing like 30 I just don't know how they can do it what calls you can go ahead and start
0: yeah so I've been like I'm pretty good at managing my leagues and shrinking that number down I think after this year I'll be I think last year I was in like 11 but I typically co-manage teams so there's another set of eyes and we're going to encourage co-management in all of our listener leagues because especially dynasty I just think the more eyes the more engagement and we want that league to be really fun and like we want engaged owners that are going to be pushing transactions and truly taking on a GM role. Um, So I think that's how I like to kind of manage my leagues in general, but I'm going to, I'm going to get that number under probably seven for sure. And then do a survivor. I I do the super contest. uh, So I'm going to be in the circus super contest this year. And I'll also be in like circus survivor. So that'll be fun. But there's so many different avenues that I like to put my attention in that, you know, I don't want more than one standard redraft. Uh, I want to try this best ball redraft dynasty, you know, guillotine, just kind of be involved um, across the board and not get so hung up on setting 15 rosters every morning. But, Truck, go ahead. What do you, what do you, yeah? Got?
1: I was in seven leagues this year. Uh, but, um, just like Mike, Mike and I co manage quite a few teams. Um, so it makes it a lot easier. But I feel like the sweet spot for me is that right around five or six. And the way, um, that we did it this past year is we kept the kind of same draft, um, uh, strategy for every draft. So we ended up, with most of the same players on all of our teams, which ended up working out in our favor. But it it was nice for me because now I'm not, I don't have conflicting interests in my fantasy matchup. So I kind of had a strategy going into drafts. I stuck with my strategy and I had the key guys I wanted to have and they ended up producing for me. So that's how it worked out for me. But yeah, right around five or six, anything more than that you're just it becomes a chore like you're you're you know the thursday tuesday the the waiver the uh, trade trade offers yeah when i'm in seven leagues and and then i get hit with trade offers i'm just like i don't even (laughs) want to do i really want to dive into all that like so uh that's kind of where i'm at but shane what what about you shane
0: why don't you tell us how the aged veterans do it
1: so (laughs) and and your kid too you got a kid who's uh diving into fantasy as well so yeah
3: so i've been i've been five i was in five last year that's where i kind of try to stick it around i I feel like there's this weird flex people have in fantasy that's like oh i'm in 20 leagues you know (laughs) you know i i don't ever want to get to that spot you know for the reasons you guys have all talked about um but I've been like some very serious, those five, like three of them are serious. So one has been a league that we've had for 33 years, one's been a league for they <laughs> used to rely
0: on the postal service luke
2: i i've i know of they
0: used to rely on the
2: postal service like calling in before <laughs> noon to set your lineup when, when you find <laughs> out injuries on we East.
3: literally like, had like wednesday night waiver night where we had to call the commissioner and say and whoever called in first got the guy first whoever happened to get in first was was the he would get in so that's the league we had i will say this uh one of those leagues 2 years ago we adopted four idp players to our rosters and i voted against it i was i did not want to do it it's been the best move that we've had in that league for quite a long time just from a consumer standpoint it gives you something else to watch and root for on that side of the ball it's not you're not just sitting there waiting for okay well i've got this offensive player i've got to wait till they get back on offense You have something to watch and to root for. I find myself sitting there rooting and watching for tackles and sacks and interceptions.
2: Yeah, that's dope. I'm I'm telling dude, no one does them. No one does them. I've been offering like vampire leagues and shit, which I'm trying to wrap my head around it um, fully and and things like that. But I I just, I've been asking, like I'm in a, there's a, another league, I won't plug them, you know, because this is your show, but they, they do quite a bit of fantasy drafts and stuff like that. And they're always like, hey, we have this draft going on. I'm like, just tell me when there's an IDP league, please. That's that's I just want <laughs> I just want a full defensive roster that I can watch. Um, so no, I'm glad I'm glad the veteran supports it. Yeah, the savvy vet. <laughs> um, yeah, I,
1: I I'm not opposed to it. I, adding a few IDP players like he did, uh that's something that I I would consider. But a full A full roster is tough, man.
2: Yeah, I support the abolishment of um, kickers uh, and and team defenses. A lot of leagues are doing that, I feel like. So I'm very – I do like that a lot. Um, One thing I will say, and I don't know if you guys have any formats like this, but one of my leagues has a head coach, and it's plus or minus five. And it's – you draft them. You're only able to roster one at a time. So, like, you can choose to take the minus five the week they're on a bye or whatever, but getting a team like San Fran or – even like Dallas this year, right? Philly, those teams that have like 12, 13 wins, it's it's huge. Cause if you're ever in a close matchup and their head coach loses and and yours wins, it's essentially like a you know a twenty point swing. So um I do like the head coach a lot. That's my that's my one home league that we we added that. I mean, it's all gamblers too. So um, you know, it's just a nice little wrinkle that I enjoy.
0: That's fun. Um, before we wrap up fantasy talk, we, I, I, this, this, you can tell this, that you're one of the guests that we could just talk to all fucking day. And, you know, we'll be here <laughs> in two hours. Honestly, but, forgot what we were uh, talking about. Yeah. The so I, I do love drafting. So like this next year, I'm going to max out best ball mania, uh, the underdog best ball mania, um, drafts. Like I just, I'm confident I can go in a draft room against any 12 guys and more times than not be one of the top two um finishes so that worked out this year truck and i did probably 40 and we covered our nut and some we're we're plus money we're plus money in 40 draft lobbies so that was kind of like our first test and yeah i intend on maxing out 150 this next year and, and putting a lot more of my time there I love drafting it's kind of one of my favorite parts of fantasy to be honest is just navigating through a draft room um and you know the strategy on the fly it's just so fun to me so um that's kind of where i'm at uh, yeah
1: and lucas will probably invite you to uh some of our we in the in, in august i think right around there we do two a days and we do best ball drafts mock drafts uh two episodes a day we're on talking nothing but drafts so we kind of dive headfirst into it, and uh, you know, if you're if you're down to join, we'd love to have you.
2: Well, yeah, now especially after, you know, especially after Mike just said that he's fucking king dick. I, I definitely need to get into a draft. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see how he drafts. You know what I mean? Like, I gotta yeah. see how he does. Yeah, definitely. So I, cool. I
0: pretty much black out during those episodes when we're on when we're doing the underdog drafts. I'll just like on the I. My brain just goes and is like, as per pick, if like, you know, we're looking up stacks or something, it just constantly goes and I will step away after the draft and just be like, what the hell just happened?
1: Mike needs to change his name to the fantasy
2: (laughs) rain, man. (laughs) Just sees nothing but code like nothing else. It's not not that
0: (laughs) It's not, it's not that, I promise you. It's not that smart. But uh, um, anyways, let's get into Bears uh, trucks. Set the stage for us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the Chicago Bears are in a really good spot this year. Um, it started off really slow in this last year, um, you know, 0-4. And then the last 13 games, they went 7-6. for six and uh, Or 7-6. So, you know, I think gearing up for this number one overall pick, um, you know, the talk is uh, – it's, it makes sense that everyone's talking about it because this is a turning point that the organization can make to really start to make strides and uh, be a playoff team. So something we haven't seen in a long time, uh, but they do have the number one overall pick and the number nine uh, in the draft. And, uh, you know, before we really dive into it, uh, Lucas, I just want to get your opinion on uh, Matt Eberflus. I know the big, the big topic early on was, uh, was he going to get fired when we fired? Um, uh, uh I can't think of his name right now. I'm, I am have Shane Waldron all on my mind right now, but Luke gets uh, Yeah. But when we fired Luke gets I wanted them to fire Eber flus, especially with all the coaches that are available in the cycle. Now, Pete Carroll, Mike Vrabel, and uh, of course, Bill Belichick. But what's, what is your stance on
2: Eber flus? Uh, and how hot is that seat in your opinion? Um, I think he's got two years unless like, like I think realistically, if they don't pull off those wins at the end of the year, um, he probably goes. I, I, personally, I wanted a clean sweep. I wanted it pulls on down. Um, I just feel like with where they're at and the position that they're in, um, it's an extremely, extremely attractive job for whoever you would be able to get the best GM candidate. And not that I, I guess my Twitter is a lot different than what I am in the group chat because I haven't been high on polls, right? Like the the inability to retain um, Roquan Smith and you traded the second rounder you got, or your own second rounder for Chase Claypool, and ended up losing value on what could become a Hall of Fame player. Now a two-time first first-team All-Pro, like for you to then go and pay Tremaine Edmonds more guaranteed money per year. I know the contract is a little bit different in, in the appearances. Oh yeah, you got two players and T.J. Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds for. um a little bit more, 24 million or whatever it is, 22 million cap hit instead of the 20 million that Roquan's getting. But I think Roquan's just a different level player. Um, I hated the fact that you had a young quarterback with potential and opposed to building around him in your first year, you used all of your assets to rip down a 3-4 that was more than 4 oh. and, and put in a four-man front for Matt Eberflus. So there was a couple th- – I would have been totally comfortable with them with a clean sweep. I knew with how they were rolling um, on the finish that they were going to keep Eberflus as much as I didn't want him. Like my first impression was like just so bears, you know what I mean? Like the, the finalists were what uh, Dan Quinn, Matt Eberflus. Caldwell, which at the time I'm like, he's the most appealing option, right? Like, yeah. he going to develop a quarterback. Yeah. So I was totally okay. If we were going to go with like an old school vet, go get the old school vet that like knows how to build an offense and develop a quarterback. So that was my thought. I mean, fuck, dude, before Dan Campbell, Caldwell was the best coach that Detroit has had in a very long time. He took it to the playoffs yep. place. So um, I was that, that was my thought. My first impression of him was like, this guy looks like a fucking MIT pr- professor. Or like, that does. <laughs> so I wasn't as high on that.
0: Yeah. I will
2: say, he's grown on me a little bit in terms of his ability to develop young players, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, yeah. You know, T- Tyreek Stevenson, Kyler oh. Gordon, Jaquan brisker yeah. if you can fucking stay healthy, like those <laughs> guys are very good players and they started off slow and they got better and better. So, um, and the defense got a lot better when he took over, but also then you, you're like questionable staff hires. Now, I will say I was pleasantly surprised. I thought we were going to end up with, um, Shane's guy, fucking Jason Garrett as like our offensive. I thought we were going to get that level of offensive coordinator. Cause it's like yeah. on the hot seat, like we're not. So for the circumstances, Shane Waldron, in my opinion was one of the best hires you could have made. Um, yeah. But still, if, if we were to fire Matt Eberflus, that wouldn't be on my top 10 of guys I would have wanted to hire as a head coach. Right. So you kind of yeah. think of it from that perspective. Um uh, I'll
0: say, so I, I'll say that, after seeing, in early January, I was big on Waldron. Um, yeah, you I were talking I, about him a lot. So I, I don't necessarily consider myself a Bears fan. Uh, I, I'm not very, blind. I'm not blindly loyal to like really many teams in sports just because I love sports as a whole and I like good organizations that are good for the sport. Um, So Bears have always been frustrating for me. I, I would say I'm blindly loyal to the Blackhawks, um, have, growing up with season tickets and then the cubs for a while because i was just an idiot and wanted a world series so bad but the bears have always been extremely frustrating as you mentioned for me um so Eberflus, yes gained confidence over the end of the season waldron that's exactly who i wanted during the hiring process however now that vrabel and coach b don't have jobs i don't know if those two could even coach together or how that dynamic would be but i think i would right now say Bring me Rayball, a guy that will come in and have and develop a, a culture and a winning, you know, a winning culture in a in a city that values defense and hard nosed fucking football. Give me him as the head coach, and then give me Coach B to develop, uh, you know, a young quarterback. Whether that's Fields or Caleb, that's a conversation for later. But we've seen what he's done with uh Mahomes, even with Sam Howell. I mean, he Coach B is in my mind probably the best offensive mind next. I mean, you can put him in the conversation with McVay Shanahan, uh, all those guys, but coach B's outstanding. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty impartial with where we're at. I think it's good. I think there's better out there.
2: I I just couldn't believe Washington hired Quinn. What label? Like, you know what I mean? Like we've seen that. That made no sense. You, you inherited
0: and then bring in cliff Kingsbury. (laughs) because you think that you're going to trade up god knows what for Caleb. It's
2: Yeah, no, I I um I'm fully aligned with with that thinking to be honest. Uh, now for me, I was always I played football through from Pop Warner all the way through high school. Um so I've always been a football guy and you know my 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 grandpa was a big big Cubs guy, so I used to watch the game we you know when I moved from Westchester to Glen Ellen I lived like three doors down from my grandpa. So in the summers that, especially that first summer when you don't have any friends and, you know, I moved at the beginning of the summer, not right before school. So it was like, I hung out with my grandparents all the time and like, we'd watch every game together. So my fandom kind of died though, with that Aramis Ramirez, Sammy Sosa, you know, that core. Um, And then it's, you know, it's a shame that they, like, I wasn't paying attention as much. Now don't get me wrong. I was happy. They won the world series when they did, but like, I wasn't super invested the way I was before I've always been extremely invested um, in the Chicago bears, which is probably why my disposition is so, you know, not great when it comes to <laughs> being a sports fan. Um, Cause I, 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 am just a Chicago guy and I inherited all shitty teams. The only team that I, I truly um, picked on my own is, is Houston Cougars for, for basketball, um, college basketball. Cause I wasn't, I didn't really pay oh. attention to college basketball until you know, maybe like four or five years ago um, and and really like the way that I just like anytime you're volleyball spiking balls off the backboard and shit like that. I'm a big fan of it. So I just like their brand of basketball, just a lot of glass cleaning and defense and stuff like that. So um, unfortunately, you know, I am I'm extremely invested in the Bears uh, to a to a fault to a point where it, it's probably shortening my life. Yeah, I can feel that I can feel that for sure. Um, well, you know, looking at Ryan
1: Poles um, and analyzing all the moves he's made so far, I think I could call, out of the eight moves that I've been able to identify, I've called two of them a success. So, like, I'm not happy with polls. Uh, The only two that I would call a success, the Carolina trade last year, to give us the number one pick, and bringing in Montez Sweat. I mean, yeah, we're giving him a lot of money, but everybody saw what Montez Sweat did did for our defense towards the end of the year. Um, I think it was a mistake hiring Iberflus. I don't think he's the guy long term. Um, trading Khalil Mack and Roquan Smith uh, and the, the absolute disaster of trading a second rounder for Claypool, just mm-hmm. terrible. And then you're passing up Jalen Carter to draft Darnell, Wright. Darnell Wright was a great tackle for us, but we saw what Jalen Carter was this year and uh, what his potential is in the NFL. So overall, <laughs> I'm, I'm not particularly thrilled with Ryan pole so far. So I agree with you. I wish they would have gotten rid of him along with Ibra and Luke Getzey clean, absolutely clean house this year.
2: And unfortunately, you know, the McCaskies and their unwillingness to rid themselves of guaranteed contracts for coaches and GMs. So it was like the nightmare was playing out and don't get me wrong. I don't want the bears to lose, especially develop that losing culture with a young core, right? Like there is part of that. Hey, you got to break out of being a loser and being okay with losing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 the one thing I'll, I'll give Ryan Poles a lot of credit for is his drafting, especially in the early rounds. Because what we saw with Ryan Pace, it was like the complete opposite. Ryan Pace in the early, like especially the first round, wasn't great. Um, not that he had a ton of shots at it because of the Khalil Mack trade, but – he was really good at picking up those four fifth round guys that came in and contributed and, and being pretty solid starters like the Adrian Amos is and even undrafted free agents. Um, whereas I think Ryan poles is has been pretty impressive in the first couple of rounds, third round, we'll look past that. Um, but the first two rounds I think he's been pretty good and like Braxton Jones is a good pickup later, right? There's a couple guys like that. Roshan Johnson I kind of like, but I still think we need a huge upgrade at running back. Um, yeah but I'm, I'm pretty aligned with a lot of what you're saying. Even the Montez sweat trade, you can, I'm like, like, and this is the way I explained it to my, my friends that I speak with about it, you know, on, on group chats and stuff like that. I'm not going to be upset that they got a good player, but I feel like he kind of backed himself into a corner and, and fucked himself a little bit because now you're paying Montez sweat. Like he's been, uh, all pro level pass rusher for his whole career when really yeah. it was that season last year. And we'll, we'll, we'll be able to see how that move really works and how it plays out over the next few years. Cause I believe this was his first year in double digit sacks. So it like, was. Yeah. you know, if he goes back to six sacks next year, then we're like, what the fuck? And don't get me wrong. He's a very solid edge player. He's not someone that's like, Driven by his sacks, and I think sacks are kind of an under or an overrated number. I, I truly think just pressures is more important. Uh, and and if you're cons- and if you're consistently getting pressure, you're going to get more sacks. Um, but you know he's he's extremely sound against the run, and you do need that contained player to be your defensive yeah. end in a four three, especially in Matty type of defense. So, I, like I said, I wasn't going to complain about it, but there are things you can pick apart about the Montez Sweat d- deal in general. Khalil Mack, I'll disagree with you a little bit on that. I felt like it was kind of a necessary move as much as I didn't want it to happen. His cap number because he was restructured so many times was insane. So I I get why they kind of bit the bullet in that year one. But I also think if you wait towards the end of the, the, you know, towards the trade deadline and, and eat a little bit more of that cap, you're going to get a lot more for him than a second Mm -hmm. rounder. Right? Like I, I don't, and you know, it turned out where you're getting now you make a selection there. It's Jaquan Brisker for Cleo Mack. Like you're trading a, an older veteran um, player, but he had like 17 or 18 sacks this year, right? Like he was pretty fucking productive Um, and he stays healthy. The only reason why we IR'd him that year before was because we knew Nagy was on his way out. We knew it was kind of fucked. Like, and it was like, all right, th- he stays relatively healthy and he plays through everything. So I get... I get why the move happened. Not that I necessarily, you know, it's, it's never good to trade a guy that's going to go to the hall of fame. Like that's never an ideal thing, especially when he's got some years left. In the tank. But I understood it a little bit more. Um, I just think you could have gotten more value for him. Whereas like, you know, the, it's the, the things that bother me are like the younger guys, like the Roquan Smith that you couldn't get an extension done. And you gave him a, uh, a what was reported by Ian Rappaport. It was a highly backloaded deal that had, escalators in the contract that no no person over 15 million dollars like so no contract over 15 million dollars had these types of escalators and it would have hurt the the linebacker market in general right like that to me so like the drafting part of things I'll give Ryan Poles a lot of credit for I like his drafts and I don't even mind like when Jalen Carter was sitting there it's like okay you you could have perfected the plan and got Jalen Carter there at nine and then trading away what was the best player in the draft and only getting a fourth rounder for him. Like uh like if you're if if you get a third and then draft Darnell Wright, the Darnell wrote Darnell Wright was the highest tackle on my board. So the only thing that could have gotten him to recover from that, it was like if you watch my my podcast episode, we usually do a draft episode, welcome to jump on, um, where we just kind of sit there and BS for the whole draft, but like it went from like how did he pass this up and he only got a fourth rounder to like okay, well he selected my my draft crush at tackle, so I'll I can live with it, right? And I think Darnold is yeah. going to be a very good corner for a while, so you know. Uh, when it comes to the draft itself, I, I do like it. But when now it's like, why is Jalen Johnson still not fucking extended? That's, crazy. That's that is yeah. the top of my list of things that need to be done for the bears to have as a best, successful. He, he went out and said straight up, like, I know like my production in terms of ball production isn't as high as um, some of these other guys to warrant like a market resetting deal. It, it's just like, It's the idea of, hey, we're trading for Montez Sweat. So, you know, the defensive, like the reason why the defensive backs, you have a lot invested in there and you have very good players in the defensive backfield, but the pass rush has to work with that. And you had no pass rush. So you go and trade for a pass rusher. What do you expect to happen? Like his ball production is going to go up. It's going to rush quarterbacks to throw more, to make worse throws, to throw the ball in worse spots. You know what I mean? So it's like, you fucked yourself over. Like you probably could have gotten him for the 18 to $19 million range. Now it's like a $23 million extension. So what are you yeah. going to do? Franchise tag him? Like just fucking get the deal done. You made yeah. that money with cutting Eddie Jackson and um, white hair, white, white hair. hair. So just, just get the fucking deal done. I, I expected it to be <laughs> announced like an hour after they made those cuts. It's like, okay, now you have your Jalen Johnson money. So the negotiating of contracts, and I don't know if it's a pace guys. Cause you know, he did get Cole Komet, the Cole comet extension done, which I support. And I, I really think he was an underrated player and underutilized in the Maggie era. um And we're starting to see him kind of emerge as one of the top tight ends. But like, I don't, I don't know. It's like, it's like part of me is in support of, hey, like we need someone a little bit more conservative with the cap because Pace was just throwing around money. But I really like Pace a lot. And I thought he built – the best program through his four year rebuild. And really what fucked him up was doubling down on Nagy and tripling down on Nagy where it's like, okay, well now, instead of getting building blocks, we need to pay for uh, Andy Dalton and Nick Foles and all these bullshit guys that are taking up 10, $12 million cap hits instead of just like building around Trubisky, which he had his flaws, but like, I I thought like Nagy kind of gave up on him very quickly. So Mm -hmm. You know, I, I like. There's, there's more than one part. It's not just drafting for a GM. There's the extension. There's the negotiations. There's the free agent deals and things like that. And I just feel like he's come up short in a lot of those other areas where I do think he's a very solid drafter.
0: Um, <clears throat> so I'm really not going to expand on any points. I want to keep moving here. I, I'd like to say since we've talked Ibraflus and we've been on the defense, like what defensive moves this off season do you need done whether that's through the draft or free agency to have that defense in a place where you're confident going into
2: the next season? I mean I think we've invested enough in defense to be honest right like if you were to get the only guy I would say hand over a blank check to is Chris Jones if for some reason Kansas yeah. City lets him out because that's your three technique you have a, a, a few young defensive tackles there right this defensive draft isn't that great so like you know, I don't. I don't necessarily. I think Jared Verse actually would be a pretty good compliment to to Montez Sweat, being like that. Hey, you have your power and speed, or your thunder and lightning. But, um, you know, I don't so, think. You, go ahead. Are you
0: are you out on
2: my LSU
0: boy, Danielle Hunter?
2: Well, I see. I wouldn't hate that, but I think Bryce Huff's going to be a little bit cheaper. And like I said, like I just feel like we've already invested so much on defense that it's like, dude, we're yeah. like, let's fucking modernize the Chicago Bears and like put some money on offense and. Yeah go I'd rather go pay like a top of the market free agent center possibly the Tevin Jenkins things is tough but yeah on the defensive side of the ball like I really like Bryce Huff but you're you're kind of there right like you have a ton of money in the linebacker room you have a bunch of young very good talent um uh, you know I think the top priority is extending Jalen Johnson and then getting another complimentary edge piece so um is it Danielle or Daniil it's Daniil Daniil. Okay. Yeah. It was I, always I, Danielle at,
0: at LSU. It was always Danielle <laughs> at LSU. Um, yeah, sometimes so, those guys go through rebrands.
2: So that's fine. If, if it's Danielle, then I'm, I'm going to go with the LSU guy. I'm going to go with the origins. Um, but when it <laughs> comes, you know, I wouldn't, that's not a move I'd be mad at, but like, I just think go get a couple guys later in the draft that have some potential. Like you've already invested a ton on every level of the defense. So Bryce Huff, Hunter and he's been rumored to the bears. I wouldn't be mad at that move, but it's like, he's probably going to demand like 17, 18 million a year. Right. Like yeah. you really need to spend more money on defense. Like go fucking figure it out on offense.
0: All right. Well, let's talk offense. Um, number one, draft picks spend the conversation. Do you trade out, create more assets around field uh, Justin Fields, or do you look to move him and, um, and take Caleb and kind of restructure your offense that way?
2: Yeah. Um, so I would be a lot more open to you selecting a quarterback, whatever quarterback um, people land on. I know Caleb Williams is the runaway favorite for the number one overall pick. I think his his number on DraftKings right now is like minus 1,500 or something, which is a, a huge favorite, right? Um, personally, I, I've seen some – some chinks in the armor. I wouldn't, uh, you know, it, again, if we, if we cleaned house, I'd be a lot more open to it and like hire a Ben Johnson or uh, a Slowick or, or someone like that. Right. A young offensive mind that has some play calling experience. I'd be a lot more open to drafting a quarterback at one, but it's like, we're right there on the brink where if you trade this pick, and even only go down one or two spots. Like I personally believe Marvin Harrison jr is the best person and the best player in this draft by a wide margin. I think he's a camp miss wide receiver prospect. I mean, we saw him carry, you know, like he came in as a sophomore and carried that offense. Um, CJ Stroud's an incredible player and had an incredible rookie season. Right. But like you look at last year with McCord and it's like, you knew the ball was going to Marv every third down. You knew, like he came through so many times that, that team opposed to years prior did not have the offensive firepower that it had in Mm -hmm. in years past. So I just, I feel like Marv is, I mean, I remember watching him last year, even in that last game of um, his true freshman year season. And I'm like, dude, this is like the best wide receiver I have seen in college in a very long time. Like he's just a different level. He has everything you want in terms of the tools, the footwork, you know, I know your boy Malik Neighbors is a very good prospect as well, but I think he's a l- little bit more limited in terms of route tree. And, you know, he's explosive as, as shit after the catch. Like he is a very, very special athlete. Um, and I'm not going to – I think he has a lot more to offer than some of the other explosive athletes like a Sammy Watkins or those those busts, right? Like that. I, I don't want to put him in that category because I do think it's a very stacked wide receiver class, but I would probably have him as third. On the board, I, I like Romo Odunze as well, and especially with like a um, DJ Moore, right? Like DJ Moore is similar to Malik Neighbors and, and what they're able to do, but he's way more polished. And it's like you already have a Malik Neighbors at home, and it's not the negative version of that meme. Like we have we we have one already. Like I think a good compliment to DJ Moore would be a Marvin Harrison. So especially if you're like if you're able to work something out where you know Washington wants Caleb, and you're able to get an extra first and a couple mid round picks, something like that to move down one spot. I mean, that would be a huge haul and then moving down again to the Patriots. So you're, you're staying in range for Marvin Harrison. um, You know, I I'd be really, that's the way I would go. If I was Ryan pulls personally. Right. I've just not, I feel like the days of the Andrew Lux, John Elway's um, Peyton Manning's, those like elite quarterback prospects are over. And that's just because of the way that college, is play, like college football is played now, especially offensively. You're look, I don't think Caleb Williams has taken one snap under center. He's going to be a project. And I'm not saying he can't be an incredible player at the next level. Like his arm talent is fucking absurd. But like when it comes to playing within the structure of the offense and all that, you saw his Heisman year, he was fantastic. But what was around him was way better. Um And then last year it was like, okay, we're starting to see some chinks in the armor. Like he's not this – in my opinion, he's not God's gift to quarterbacks prospects, right? He's going to come in, he's listed at six one. So in my opinion, he's going to come in at six foot or shorter. My guess is he's going to measure up at five eleven and three quarters. Uh, I know quite a few people that are around the USC program that have stood face to face with him. And they're like, he's not that big of a guy. He is. and, And to be fair, he's, I'm a little bit of a heightist, and that's coming from someone who's five, nine and Italian and short and stocky. Right. Like, but like, mm. I'm not, a am not an NFL player. Um, so like, I'm a little bit of a, Hey, I want my quarterback to be six, two, six, three, like six, two is the, 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 the shortest I want you to be at quarterback. Right. Like I want you to be that or taller that six, four, six, five range is what you're still looking for. Um, so that's just my, my thoughts on him. And then you have some of the other, stuff that people are saying like he might not be the best leader and i don't i don't necessarily care about the nail painting and crying and shit like that um that doesn't bother me as much as like the how dejected he looks on the sidelines and like you know him and him and post-game pressers and stuff like that just the body language that he shows is like uh is he that guy like justin fields got dealt the shittiest hand really you can you can ask for as a quarterback and if it's like are we going to really move from one quarterback that excels outside of structure to another quarterback that excels outside of structure? I don't know. I, I would prefer someone more in the mold of like, yeah, he just hits his reads on time. You know what I mean? Like personally, my favorite quarterback in this draft, and I know you guys might call me, I think it's, I think the best, the the one that's going to translate the most is JJ McCarthy, but I would not take him at one, right? Like in, you know, Illinois's finest, Nazareth Academy's finest. I, I hate to rub that in, um, <laughs> but I just feel like he ran a pro style offense. He's taken a ton of snaps under center. He's a humble enough kid. We're like, Hey, if we're going to run the ball fucking 35 times and you're only going to throw it 12 times, like that's the game plan. But every time they've asked him to throw in order to, you know, like that TCU game um, when they needed him to sling the, the rock all over the ground or, or, or all over the, all over the yard. And, and, um, you know, to go into overtime in that first playoff game, it was like, hey, we need you to start throwing the rock. Like, I feel like he's only asked to throw when really need him to throw badly. Um, It's, it, you know, he wasn't like, hey, we're going to throw on first down to get ahead of the sticks and run that type of offense. And I feel like it was high pressure situations that he was able to excel in. Um, So that's, and he just throws with great anticipation and within the structure of the offense, which I think the league is starting to trend more towards that. After you seeing like a, a Brock Purdy kind of come in and, and do really well, like, sometimes it's better to just have like Patrick Mahomes is one of one. And I know that's the comp that you're getting for Caleb Williams, but I feel like Caleb Williams better comp would be like a Josh Allen, to be honest, a much rawer prospect. um, than we anticipated that's going to take some bumps and bruises. And it's like, this team is heading in a certain direction. Now, are you going to really want to pull them back to develop this rookie? I do think Waldron would be a good pairing with him or fields, but you know, Waldron was able to revive Geno Smith. Like, I would imagine he could do something similar with Justin Fields. Uh, Justin Fields was a very, very good prospect as well coming into it. It it really was kind of one of those weird things where he was number two on the board up until, like, three weeks before draft time. And then it's like, ah, Zach Wilson lit it up at BYU, and he made a sick throw on his pro day. And, you know, like, Mm. no Trey Lance. Oh, he's kind of that mold of tall dude that you know, could fit the Josh Allen mold. But yeah, I think Caleb's better better comp would be um, Josh Allen. And like, he doesn't avoid contact. Like he is too small. It's one thing if you're playing in the Pac-12 to be lowering your shoulder on contact all the time. Like you got to break those habits and you need a, a PR makeover. Um, if, if you're going to get drafted at, at number one overall, like, cause he's just way too small to be like trying to fucking truck NFL defenders. You see a lot of his, I mean, his highlights are incredible, right? Like I'm not going to take anything away from him as a prospect, but I just don't think he's this can't miss has to be number yeah. one overall pick.
0: Yeah. Um, so few things. So I, I just looked up Justin Fields. It says he's six, three, two 88, twenty eight i've stood next to him a couple of times i'm six three and a half and he i thought he was short so i, I don't i don't know where that six three is coming from um,
2: I two, but yeah
0: I, I i don't know i could have been wrong but i i don't know that that seemed crazy i obviously at the combine um he would have had to measure in so i i'm guessing i was just wrong i think i saw him at like randolph street fest a few times when i was living in the west loop Oh, okay. I was surprised at his size but um, I googled that and I was like, "Wait, there's no way I, I either I completely
2: got that wrong, or Were you standing whatever. on a curb and he was on the street."
0: That might have been. I thought it was the opposite, to be honest. I thought I was on the street and he was on a curb. Regardless, that surprised me. Um, but um, so I have been pretty vocal about Caleb Williams. I'm on the side of thinking that he's a generational prospect. That being said, so is Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, and I think the bears stand in a really unique and outstanding situation where you have fields either way they go, I think is a win. So like, I think you can go the way that the NFL currently stands. And you mentioned it a little bit is you either need to have that generational type quarterback that Mahomes, that what looks like CJ Stroud, these guys that are like, regardless of what's around them they're going to be in the playoff mix deep in the playoff mix year after year um so you either have to go that route or the Brock Purdy route of where you have a quarterback that you can put all of these all of these playmakers and assets around him and kind of just not have, not ask him to do too much but play within a system and succeed at a high level so the bears are in a situation where they can Move forward in either direction. I I don't know how much you're going to have to pay fields that might come to be an issue, but the Bears, regardless, the Bears sit in those two different spots. And it's like, which way do we want to go? Do you want to gamble that Caleb Williams is that guy? It sounds like you do not want to do that. Um, it's a it it is a gamble, right? Because, like you're saying, you're resetting an entire offense. And betting on this one guy to be that guy, I personally think his talent is. I know there's some some character concerns, so I'm not going to say that's the right move until I would sit in a room and interview him and evaluate that side of things. But from a true arm talent um, standpoint, I think he is that special. So um, his, his I, arm
2: is absurd. I'm not going to yeah. dispute that. Like, if you're just a fucking hater, if you're going to dispute that fact, like his right. arm mm-hmm. is. Special. He's got a yeah. special arm. Um, yeah. So. so
0: what is it? So I, I think, I think what matters is, and if you're poles and you're the Bears, you need to get all. You need to field all of those trade offers for one. So if you can get a historic hall to move back to two or three, which is where I think you can get Marvin, that starts to become interesting, right? Um, so, you know, I think I would have liked to see a little bit more growth from fields as like able to slow the game down in the pocket and make the right reads and go to your second and third option and, and complete plays. I don't know that that's, is that on him going through all these OCs and having a, just a disaster situation uh, as a bear or is it a true like how I see the field and re- make reads. That's the concern with fields, right?
2: Um, yeah, no, I, and see, like, it's funny because, like, I feel like I'm the opposite of most Bears fans. where Bears fans were really high on fields coming in, whereas I wasn't. I actually had him ranked fourth on my board as well, so I thought him being the fourth-rated like, I, but I was really high on Trey Lance, so I'm not a fucking quarterback evaluator Ooh. by any means, right? Like, I also think Trey Lance got – off pretty good like he started like four games right um so you know uh, and even Zach Wilson is in a you could see he's gotten better for sure right and he hasn't been in the best situation um with the Jets the Jets are historically bad at developing quarterbacks the same way that the Bears are um so you know it's hard I think like situation landing spot all of that stuff matters so much like is Patrick Mahomes Patrick Mahomes if he doesn't land on the Kansas City Chiefs and has Andy Reid one of the best you know quarterback developers the game has ever seen I mean he was a raw prospect a lot of people had him ranked fourth or fifth on their board right and like now I feel like we're seeing the overcorrection because Patrick Mahomes was rated so low on a lot of draft boards now like he was given a second round grade a lot of the time right so it's like now we're seeing a, a similar prospect in Caleb Williams getting pushed to the forefront of like generational I just Listen, I wouldn't be mad if they drafted Caleb Williams and I would understand it, but I just feel like we, the Chicago bears are one move away from like, especially now if, if, if you're going to get a Mitchell Trubisky type package for moving down one spot, I'm not fucking moving out of that spot. Right. Cause like the rookie contract mm-hmm. is appealing. That's sexy as well. I do think you need to figure out and have some pre- preliminary talks with fields agent and be like, Hey, are you trying to Daniel Jones us? Or can we get you on a, you know, three year fully guaranteed, $30 million a year contract. Smith, yeah. Yeah. Like, like, like something that's more reasonable. So you can still keep that salary cap because you can't pay him $50 million a year. Right. Like what all, what all these other quarterbacks are getting no. and yeah. the Daniel Jones contract really fucked over the giants in my opinion. So, and that, con- that
0: conversation has to be honest in that. Like, listen, these next three years, if we succeed and you're the franchise guy, we're in the mix of a super bowl. We're going to pay you that money. We just, we need to see a little bit more and we need to be able to invest in areas uh, to give you a situation to succeed.
2: Right. Yeah. And I do think like a lot of the situation, like, so that's what I was getting at with fields. Like, I feel like a lot of the stuff was induced by management because he was in between the bottoming out of one regime and then the complete teardown, like our dude, our first year, our major investments were Kyler Gordon, Jaquan Brisker, um, Braxton Jones turned out to be pretty good, but you know, you, you had a, really shitty offensive line to the point where I think he, he developed a lot of bad habits. Right. And I thought it really took for him up until he came back from that injury and seeing Bajan operate the offense a little bit. Cause Bajan, I mean, he's he's a backup, he's a backup for sure. But Bajan orange, I do think he like operates at a high level. You could tell he took a lot of snaps in college, like just getting the ball out on time and stuff like that. So I think field's, needed some time to like start trusting the guys around him and realizing the offensive line was a little bit better. But then we saw like if Tevin Jenkins gets hurt, that interior was so dog shit and interior pressure is really the biggest Achilles heel for any quarterback, Um, especially if you want to sit in the pocket and deal. But I do think like I saw enough where if you're going to get a generational haul for moving down a spot or two and being able to get what I think is the best player in the draft, that's, that's the, that's the route I would go. Um
0: let, let's hear from Truck. I, I want to hear Truck and Shane's uh standpoint. I, I know Truck's also a diehard Bears fan. Um, so let's let's hear what you got, Truck.
1: Yeah, I, I'm excited because either way they go, whatever decision they make, uh, I think it improves our overall system. Whether they stay with Fields, draft Marvin, and get some pieces around him uh from that hall. Uh, I think we're in a good spot. And if we go with Caleb. Uh, financially we're in a good spot where we'll be able to assign someone like Daniil Hunter and make our defense a truly top five defense. So re- regardless of the way we go, I, I think we're going to be in a good spot. Um, but I do think they need to draft Caleb. Uh, and it all depends on their conversations they have with him, those interviews they have with him, uh, and whether or not they think he's going to be a good leader for the team. And if you have any question whether or not he is not going to be the guy, then you, you have to trade the pick. Um, and for me, I, I think Washington is setting up to make a serious offer. What that offer is, we'll, we'll find out. I think we might have prepared a couple of ideas um, to spin off at the end. But, um, yeah, I, I think Caleb Williams, his arm talent alone with Shane Waldron, um, the only thing I'm really worried about is Eberflus. I, I don't want um, Iberflus to be fired and then all of a sudden Caleb Williams has another regime his second year in. So the I, I know
2: that's thing you can do. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, yeah, so, it, that's but exact. but then again,
1: then again, Ryan Poles and Iberflus they inherited fields. They didn't draft fields, so they could easily be like, "Hey, let's draft our guy. Take Caleb Williams. We're not only resetting our financial clock, but we're resetting our our career clock and giving us some extension on that." Because I I do think if Iberflus and Poles draft Caleb, regardless of how it goes next year, I I think Iberflus is going to stick around for at least an additional year. So I think he extends his uh, his tenure with the Bears by a whole year by drafting Caleb and giving them more of an opportunity to grow and really develop. So uh,
0: this is all I, speculation. But when I saw Eberflus rehired, I thought that meant Fields is staying. Um, so and then you hear that like in the in the OC interviews that Eberflus was really backing fields and pitching fields as their guy. So like, again, that's hearsay and speculation but those are the kind of the signs that i got from eva Flew staying um though i do understand the point of you know invent now now making putting all your chips in the caleb um in the putting all the chips in the caleb's corner like yeah you are extending your your career trajectory a little bit at least like two to two maybe three years but um i don't know what do you think about that luke
2: I, th- I think that's the the typical GM coach move, right? Like, oh, fuck, we got yeah. a rookie now. So you, we need a couple more years to figure it out, right? Like, yeah. I, I do think, like, there, there's so many factors at play. And even Kevin Warren recently said, hey, I fucking love Justin Fields. So in the, in that interview with Jared Payton, I don't know if you guys saw it. I'll send it to you in, yeah. in the DM. But, um, you know, I'm just – like I said, I understand either way. I also think I was really high on CJ Stroud, um, coming out last year. And I thought if we were going to make him, like I would have, if you were to give me CJ Stroud and this is, I know hindsight's 2020, but I, if, if I were to pick, do we draft CJ Stroud last year and pass up on the hall or draft Caleb Williams this year and pass up on the hall, I would have, I would have taken Stroud over Williams personally.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: he's just that get that he's he's just a different style of quarterback like yeah you've seen an out of structure quarterback and how it doesn't work all the time like there is a development curve for those guys whereas like cj stroud was a see it and throw it kind of guy and his cognitive scores kind of indicate like oh yeah he's not the smartest but You just need to you just need to know enough to sling that fucking rock.
0: Yeah, so that's always the risk. My I was always high. I was high on Stroud. My concern with him was like playing in the Big Ten. I'm kind of an SEC homer in that like, you just don't have games against Northwestern. Um, You don't have games against – I mean, I know Iowa defense is tough and all of that, but like no, – Big Ten's you, the most
2: overrated conference in sports. Yeah,
0: it's trash. It's absolute trash. So, like, there was times where Stroud, like, just knew they were going to win. So he was a little bit, like – I don't want to say lazy with his reads, but he would make throws where I wasn't always like, is he seeing the best option? You know what I mean? Like, he was – he And and then stepping into the NFL, he could not have been better, right? Like the way that he sees the field is incredible. He was arguably the best rookie quarterback season we've seen in – I mean, that I've seen, period, um, past every single test. So, you know, you never know what's going to happen until they step on the field, see the difference in the speed of the defense, and really, um, you know – either sink or swim.
2: So I felt um, that way about fields too, honestly. And I felt that way about Stroud up until the Georgia game. And like, after seeing that, I'm like, yeah, no, he's the fucking guy. Like you couldn't move the ball for two years and he just absolutely thrashed them. They should have won that game. I was like, and then you saw his his, uh, athletic ability. So it's like, okay, he chooses to be a pocket passer, but if he needs to get outside the pocket, like that's what did it for me. I still can't believe teams watched that game. And we're like, oh, yeah, I'll I'll elect for the Hobbit instead. Um, I just could not believe that Bryce Young went one. And like, that's...
0: That was uh, New Year's Eve, right?
2: I believe so. I mean, it was the first playoff game. The playoff game, yeah. Yeah, So I didn't
0: didn't get to watch that. I was actually at uh, Billy Keeley's wedding. Oh, okay. You remember remember Sean Keeley, right? Oh, yeah. Of course. Um, So I didn't get to watch that game. I should have went back and watched it because that's a great point. I mean, that was all right, here's an NFL defense. That was – how many first-round draft picks off that defense? Um, There's like seven. Yeah, seven. That's
2: actually insane. That
0: was the number I thought. So, you know, that's definitely the test there. Shane, I want to hear what you have. Um, You know, we've all said our piece. I'm interested in what you think, if you're sitting in the Bears' seat, how you're looking at things and where you're going.
3: So a couple of things, like I didn't think keeping Eberflus was an indication of keeping fields because I think the Bears are a little bit like the my team, the Cowboys, where they don't want to eat that cost of paying a coach not to coach there. And I, I think it was more about keeping Eberflus on Um no matter what so i don't think i don't think that's a strong indication for keeping fields in that instance i kind of lean. a couple of reasons to caleb one for the economic value of resetting that quarterback clock because i do think fields would come in to that upper 30s maybe close to 40 mount whether if it's three years four years i think he will it'll come in around, around that mark and then you know, I don't like a lot of what I saw from Fields. You look at the, you know, his fourth quarter stats, his pass passer rating, completion percentage, all tanks towards the end of the games. Um, that record is a little bit concerning for me. Um, so those two factors alone, the economic value and then how he plays at the end of the games is kind of a concerning component for me for keeping him.
2: No, and I think that's the strongest argument against Fields. And don't get me wrong. I'm not, like, sold on Fields being the franchise guy, right? Like, yeah. I'm just not sold on Caleb being the franchise guy either. That, I think that's yeah. where my thought process is. And it's like this move can set you up for the next five years if you trade out of this pick. Um, and, you know, honestly, it's, it's a really tough position to be in for Ryan Poles because it's like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you have Caleb go to Washington and he becomes – has a CJ Stroud type rookie season and Fields is still struggling, you're gone. Like that's it for you, right? Whereas it's the opposite. If, if you draft Caleb and he struggles and Fields goes to say a Pittsburgh or Atlanta and then takes off, now you're gone too. So it's like you really do just have to go with your guns here. Um, but I do think the fourth quarter stuff is alarming. I do think there's a little bit of context that needs to be added because a lot of the times like that Broncos game, that Detroit game, like – Floose is the type of coach where if you get a lead, it's like, okay, let's pound the rock and just kind of waste clock and stuff like that. And then now we need, now the game flips on its head and it's like, now we need you to throw because we're down three and we need you to go get, and it's like, why don't you just stay fucking aggressive throughout the game and put up 40 instead of, Hey, we're going to tone it back. And this like, it's very clear. And I think it could be Getzy. Um, but I think it was more Eberfloose, um, more Eberflus influence right like his defensive mind him being an older coach stuff like that so i do think that's a little bit of a it's a double edged sword right like cuz yeah. those stats are damning that for like you yeah. need your quarterback to be the best in winning time
3: And i will um, say this i think that washington is the team though that would offer a historical type deal i think they are in a position yeah. with this new ownership where new ownership, they would yeah. give an insane offer to the bears for that pick.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Um, So I have a, here's, here's my vision for the rest of this episode. We've kind of talked this through a little bit. Let's talk about what that package could look like. And then that's where you start. So I haven't like, I'll admit, I haven't gone back and looked at historical trading out of the one spot so i want to hear if you guys i'm sure luke's looked at that i want i want to i want to hear if shane or, or truck's done some um research there let's see what could be realistic and if that's enough to get us to move and then after that let's all form a conclusion we can make some assumptions and say this is our stance and we'll make a hard stance does that sound yep. okay yeah, that works for me um so truck do you have some uh some trade some trade research that you I, do, I do I do yeah figured. so
1: um i mean just looking back on the most recent one is the carolina one from last year uh yeah. bears traded the number 1 overall they got dj more they got the 109 they got a second rounder a 2024 first and a 2025 second and i'm i i'm kind of envisioning a very similar trade so ideally i i like one of the players that i would include in here but if Washington gave us the one Oh two, they gave us their second rounder, give us a 2025 first and Terry McLaurin. Uh, I would definitely be considering that. I really like Terry McLaurin. I think he's a really talented wide receiver. If we end up trading that pick and drafting Marvin Harrison or three wide receivers, DJ Moore, Terry McLaurin and Marvin Harrison. I, yeah. I just, I, I, I don't know what I would do at that point if that was to be the outcome, but it's um, not
0: nearly enough for me. Um, That's because I think Caleb Williams is a generational quarterback talent. So that's not nearly enough. Um, I would need to see a lot more than that. And I think honestly, they're probably in a position to negotiate more than that. Like Shane mentions the new ownership. I'm talking multiple firsts for sure. Like it starts there. Um, I would like to see a lineman. I don't know what their 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 interior line looks like, but I would like to get a lineman instead of McLaurin, and then maybe sign like Curtis Samuel, who has history and chemistry with DJ Moore, and I think he's a great wide receiver three options. So like, scary Terry. That would as as crazy as that three headed monster sounds. I just don't think it's necessary. Especially you have Cole Komet, who I think is uh, an a lot better of a pass catcher than we've seen um, him utilized as, but I'd like to see more than that. Um, I don't know. I, that's just me. I, like because if you're if you're giving up a generational quarterback talent, again, that's where like I sit with thinking Caleb is, so that's where I start negotiations. And I think you'd be stupid not to of just even if that's not your thought process, the market assumes that. So start negotiations there. Um, I just I, I need to see more than that.
2: Um, I mean, do you guys have any other trade scenarios? I know I'm trying to look it up right now in the advanced search. I have a uh a tweet that I put out with the most comparable trades. I know Jared Goff would be one. Um, you know, because we're talking about we moved down nine spots to get that DJ Moore um yeah. trade going on, and that involved the extra first and extra second, which I Thought that second should have been a first, to be honest, in 2025. And I thought, yeah. um, or that instead of us getting 63, which is essentially a, th- a third round pick, I wanted that earlier second round pick that would have been like in the 30s or, or early 40s, something like that. Yeah. So, um, I think
0: the reason why that wasn't a first and it was a second is because the Panthers' stance on DJ Moore is like this is a wide receiver one. He is an, he is a star. On a good contract, too. Yeah, on a great contract, which I kind of would have agreed with. So, um, But, yeah, I don't know. Um, I need to see multiple first. What about you, Shane?
3: So I've got a couple different ones I put together. I I think one, I think Truck was right and, and a player in it. I just don't think he had the right player. So what I was thinking was Bears get the 102. Um they get a 2025 first and then they get Jonathan Allen. And so they get that interior um yeah. lineman um that they get. Um if you're gonna take the player out, I think you know there's a couple things. I think they're always gonna get the 102. Um, I think they're always gonna get the 2025 first, and then I think it comes down to is it one or both of the second round picks.
2: Yeah. And this is the draft, honestly, like as much as I like future picks, I think this is the draft that you'd want to have two second round picks and yep. we already don't, you know, it'd be nice yeah. to get ours back. Um, Yep. You know, I would, and, and it's funny because I'm kind of aligned with you there, but a, a, I'm going to make a little bit of a shift and call it Deron Payne. If we're, if we're climbing oh, getting, yep. getting from them, I want Deron Payne. Um, And I know I said, like, hey, we've invested enough on defense, but to have a three-tech like that um, and already has that continuity with sweat, they already know how to play together. You know what I mean? Like, I just – I really like – and don't get me wrong, I like Jonathan Allen as well, but I would also kind of avoid the scary Terry thing just because it's like you already have quite a bit of – this is a deep wide receiver draft. Say we do miss out on wide receiver at at three if we trade down and at nine. You still – I mean, it's a deep class. You have, like – seven or eight guys with a first round grade on them and then they're bound to slip into that early second portion right so if you do make a trade down i think you can get one of like i'm pretty high on uh troy franklin jr i think he's Him yeah. and
0: keon coleman i i think are
2: Keon coleman i dude i like johnny wilson actually later in the draft too right like this is a yeah. deep wide receiver draft johnny so. wilson
0: would be a great uh would be a great pairing with dj moore um
2: so it's it's not a 50 50 ball it's an 80 20 ball or 90 10 ball you know what i mean like he's just a fucking monster so i i get that um and i also think you know i'm pretty aligned with with coles on this like you know if you look historically and if you look at the draft value chart that jimmy johnson chart like the value would be typically like a A pretty high second rounder just to move up that one spot right Mm -hmm. and if we're just getting a high second rounder like fuck that like you know what i mean there's so much hype behind caleb Mm -hmm. and another thing that i think that people that's going unnoticed is the offensive it was either the head coach or the offensive coordinator from wisconsin who um there was some rumors that when when what's it called entered the uh, williams entered the transfer portal that um he might go to Wisconsin for this guy. They also have him uh uh, Washington hired him as the quarterback's coach. So there's a lot of guys. Like I think they're they're getting ready to put together a generational haul. Now I don't think you're gonna be first in 25 and in 26 plus second rounders in a pick, right? Like I don't think that's possible. Mm -hmm. Um but I would for me, I would set the mark at it definitely has to be a first rounder next year um get the bears picked back and then personally I would just take more of the picks preferably in this draft um just cuz then it's like okay now you have two first rounders and two second rounders next year you can manipulate that board move down get more yeah. first rounders or more second you know what I mean so I think one first rounder next year would really put you in a in a very very good position um but I'm trying to think like the Jared Goff trade that's one just thing.
0: negotiating this deal here's why it's different is you have so many teams that need a quarterback Broncos need a quarterback Seahawks Falcons um, Steelers arguably Raiders Um, Raiders so there's so many teams that need a quarterback you're not trading back one spot in my mind you're trading for Caleb Williams it's like listen if you're not you, you can't just use this 102 value as as is because we have five other teams calling us and yeah, we're moving back a few more slots, but they're giving us a few more first rounders, you know. Um, so I think your negotiating power is just a lot more than moving back one spot, of course. Like, and not to mention, I think if you trade out of that 101, you trade out of the 102 as well. You find out who wants Drake May or Jaden Daniels or this next quarterback. And if you're not, you're not intending on taking one of those top three quarterbacks, then you have the ability to move back again. Um, now you don't want to miss out on, on Marvin jr. But if the Patriots, you know, they want one of these other quarterbacks and you can move to the one Oh three. Now you're double trading. I I don't know. I think if you're going to move out of the one Oh one, you shop around that one or two as well.
2: well and, and I do think that, Yes, I'm aligned with you on that. And I do think that the only I wouldn't I wouldn't want to move past one, 103 to be honest. Yeah. Like I would just move back with like one Because time.
0: Marvin is the guy you want.
2: I think Marvin yeah, is ooh. that dude and I think that's what Washington <clears throat> can come back with in a negotiation. Like dude, yeah. you're getting a generational player that looks like he has had a hall of Famer teaching him how to run routes since he was old enough to fucking walk. Right? Yeah. Like so
0: Catching passes from Peyton Manning at the age of like five.
2: (laughs) Yeah. so I And that's the thing too. He's got like track speed. Like he's a, he's fast too. There's no, like there's really no flaws in his game. He's good after the catch, but he's not great after the catch. That's the only thing I would say. And maybe he's not as strong on press coverage, but like his feet are good enough to the point where I would compare it to Stefan Diggs type feet, right? Where it's like, Hey, you could try to press him, but he might just make you look foolish. So maybe you don't want to do that. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of torn between that, like, Hey, should we move all the way down to one Oh six or one Oh seven, right. Or one Oh five for the giants, the giants. Cause, cause then if you move down to one Oh five, I also think Joe Alt's an incredible prospect as well. And I would, I, yeah, think I agree upgrade from Braxton Jones at Braxton Jones at left tackle. Uh, I think he's formidable. I think he would be much better served if it's like, Hey, we're going to actually just put you on the interior um, and use you as like our priority backup for guard and tackle. If someone gets hurt, right. Like he's, he's good enough, but like, I think you could definitely upgrade. So I think there's something to be said because if you trade down to one Oh five and, and, you know, to your point, like that's what you're competing with. If you're Washington, like, well, I could trade down to one Oh five and get fucking a haul. I can get two first, two seconds. Right. Like, so, but I, 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 you know, I think it's going to be tough to really have a team like that pony up that much for moving one spot. But like I said, there's the, the new ownership factor and yeah. being a hometown kid, like teams do stupid shit every single year. So yeah. I, I, if they want to do that to themselves, then yeah, I'm like, I'm trading out of that pick instantly. Um, but if it's like, Hey, we'll give you this year's second and next year's second, well, go fuck yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it's kind of one of those things it, it's a, you know, polls has to evaluate that stuff. And I don't think polls has been the greatest. And even if you look at the Carolina trade, if Carolina selects CJ Stroud, we're looking at that trade a lot differently. They're in a yeah. shitty division. They could sneak into the playoffs with a nine-win uh, team. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, their defense yeah. was pretty solid. I know they saw some injuries and stuff, but if we're looking at pick seven instead of pick one, now we're looking at that trade completely differently. It's the fact that the For you sure. know he identified the Panthers being garbage and them taking Bryce Young. Um, that really made that trade look a lot better because to trade all the way from one to nine, I know it really depends on how you value DJ Moore. But like I wouldn't have put up until this year. I wouldn't have put him into that upper echelons of of number one receivers. I wouldn't have put him in the top ten, right? Like of of wide receivers last year. Now this year I got a much closer look at him. Like wow, this this guy's the fucking dude. You know what I mean? So it it looks a lot better. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I thought that there there could have been more. I was actually not. I thought it was the appropriate value, right? Like versus, hey, you're trading down from one. Like I would like you to destroy somebody in a trade. Like I'd like you to hurt them. Um, so that's just my thought process. Um, but I think like when I was looking back, it was the Ryan leaf trade and the Jared Goff trade that I think would have been the most comparable. Um, so, you know, I, I, if I were to set a value, I would say at a minimum, you need a two this year, a one next year, and then like a two the following year, right? Like two twos and a one to move up one spot is a generational haul by, by all means. Like that's more than a lot of teams have given up. Um, So, you know, two twos and a one to move down one spot, I think would be uh, something that you should jump at, right? Anything more than that, for sure. Anything less. Now you're like, eh, I don't know. Maybe we just stick and pick Caleb Williams. If we, if, if we, take our guy, right. Extend. And I'm looking at this from a GM's perspective, not even a fan's perspective. Um, Like now it's like, well, you, you do get that extension for an extra year, right? Like we have to go through these trials and tribulations with our rookie quarterback and develop him, get him comfortable, get him on the same page as all these wide receivers, etc. cetera. Right. So I think a one and two twos is, you know, cause now you're looking at, like I said, that v- draft value chart, it really shows like, Hey, a high two would be something that, um, gets this done say it's a, a different year and it's the the year where like like with the kenny pickett year where it's like hey we want to trade up to get aiden hutchinson or something like that now you're talking about okay we'll give you a two next year or a two this year but it's this it's different circumstances the hype has been so real i mean this is like caleb williams has been number one on a lot of boards for two years straight mm-hmm. right? that, that's yeah. not very common um so for you to pass like that hype is real. And it is, you know, as much as I like JJ McCarthy, I wouldn't select him one overall. And that's one of the only things I would be worried about with fucking Harbaugh if we hired him. Right. Like I was upset. We didn't look yeah. at it. Like Harbaugh might just take him at one, like yeah. straight up. Like he's, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he wants him to marry one of his daughters. Yeah. So um, it's just kind of one of those things where, you know, it's, it is a unique circumstance. And I, but for me, I think the threshold would be a one, a two this year and a, and a two next year would be good, or even two twos this year would be good because Washington's gonna now you'd be having the what is that, the 33rd overall pick and then the 40th overall pick in a very deep draft class. Um, and yeah. me, then it puts you in position to go get yourself a Jackson Powers Johnson, which I love the idea of him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you need a center bad, bad. It's been such a fucking like me, dude. We've been dealing with Sam Mustafa. Cody White, like you know, an old and aging Cody White hair. We need
0: our Olin Crute's back.
2: Lucas Patrick. We need someone to set the center of that line. It's been so bad for so many years straight. Yeah.
0: Um, well, I think this conversation's been outstanding and is coming full circle um, right now. So I think we can all let's make some assumptions too when we when we have our final um, our, our our final conclusion here. Um, you know, I, I think i want to walk away with this with like four different perspectives and um if you need to make an assumption what that 102 trade looks like make it and let's come up with where we stand today um for the bears this offseason um truck do you want to start us off
1: yeah yeah i uh, what here's what i think is actually going to happen and um, I think uh, Justin Fields gets traded to the Atlanta Falcons and we get a second rounder uh, and a I think there'll be a bidding war between uh, Atlanta and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's going to offer their second round pick 51st overall. And I think Atlanta's going to outbid. them, getting giving us a second and uh, the fourth this year. So pick 40 and 110. And uh, we're going to give them Justin Fields. We're going to draft Caleb. And then uh, at that nine pick, it's really going to be best available if one of those three wide receivers. Um, really one of those two wide receivers being Romo there and Malik neighbors is there. Take them. Uh, if not, then I'm almost contemplating whether or not they should even, uh, fall back out of that one Oh nine, uh, and grab some value there. So that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, I think they could just take the best available and, uh, uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, I can't pronounce his name. Uh, Afonso tackle. Yeah. That tackle that, Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of, yeah. Um, uh, that a lot of uh, people are projecting. So I am I'm fine either way, but the bears, the old bears fan in me is just telling me that don't get your hopes up. You're going to trade away fields. Fields is going to be a uh, all pro on whatever team he goes. Caleb is not going to get developed properly. And uh, the bears is going to come crumbling down. Like it has been. That's so so
0: sad. Don't do that.
1: (laughs) I'm just, it's the old bears fan in me talking and it's just the fucking devil on my shoulder saying, Hey dude, Press the brakes for a second. You're talking about the Bears organization. They've never been able to develop a quarterback, so expecting something different. Uh, I,
2: that's just playing devil's advocate. So. Truck is 100 correct. <laughs> no, he is <laughs> fucking right. Okay, I don't want this to like any of this to come off as hopeful. <sighs> you know, like the Bears suck. And there's a reason for it. And it all starts at the top. And similar to what um, Shane is dealing with, with the Cowboys, the Bears only like hiring yes-men. That's why I never thought Belichick was an actual possibility for the Cowboys, right? So you're 100% correct in what you're saying. Now I don't know if Fields goes and and has an all-pro season or something like that. I don't know if it, it bites us that bad but expect the worst from them. I will only expect the worst until they prove me wrong. And I'll be totally fine with being proven wrong because I'm a fan. So I'm either right or I'm, I'm happy. So <laughs> I, I must really be happy than right, but um, no, you're right.
0: Um, Shane, give us yours. All right.
3: I think they stay put. I think they're not going to take the chance on passing of what Caleb could be. So they're going to take Caleb up one fields gets traded uh, for just a second. I, I think he goes to Pittsburgh. Um, versus Atlanta. Um,
2: wins the Super
0: Bowl?
3: I think – no, but I think with that culture and with what they've done with crap quarterbacks, they could be a playoff team for sure next year with Fields on there. If you saw Trey Lance got a four from the Cowboys, Fields can for sure get a two, uh, can fetch a two for sure. And then I think at 109, it's either – I don't think neighbors is there at one Oh nine. So it's either Odunze or it's the best offensive tackle at one Oh nine.
0: Um, all right. Well, I'll give my take and we'll end with Luke. I, mine's a little bit similar to truck and, and, and Shane's, I guess we've just been talking about this too much as a podcast. <laughs> um, but this is mine. Hasn't changed to be honest, since early January is um, fields gets traded. I'd say probably a second's realistic. Um, I would love to see him as a Falcon. I do genuinely like Justin Fields and I want him to succeed. I think the Falcons and Steelers are both very good landing spots for him. I've talked before about, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers defense is pretty much championship ready. Um, TJ Watts at the prime of his career, Mika Fitzpatrick. um, Hayward's a guy that, once he feels that championship run coming, you're going to get the best football that he has left out of him. So I think the Steelers would be a great landing spot. Falcons, however, how how much offensive weapons you have there, um, the next guy that steps in is going to be following up Desmond Ritter, who can't throw the football and is going to be in a spot to succeed. So either one of those, I'm very happy for Fields. However, I think... Caleb Williams is a generational talent um, and I want the bears to take him at one and just not pass up on that. Next Mahomes Stroud clear top three, top five quarterback for the next 10, 15 years. Um, and I just don't know that the, I just don't know that anyone can offer a package that will knock me off my feet. So you get Caleb I want to see Roma Dunze run a four three and be that and be, and be that second wide receiver off the board and somehow neighbors falls to nine. That is a Homer uh, LSU fan in me, but that's what would make me a bears fan. Um, Find that center, get that defensive, that one more defensive piece and let's see some winning football Let's see the new king of the NFC North. Let's see Bears fans stop being sad and pessimistic and be playing championship football for the next 10 years.
1: Yeah, Coles, uh, Cole's early on was like, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be a Bears fan if they do three things. Bring in Shane Waldron, draft Caleb, draft Malik Neighbors. I'm all in. So I was going to send him a Bears hat. And stuff, so uh, it, now that we got Shane Waldron, we got one one box checked. All we need to do is uh, draft
2: Caleb and neighbors, so welcome aboard, Coles. So, I do have a question for you, being a homer. Where would you rank neighbors compared to Jamar Chase?
0: Oh, I love this conversation. I have Jamar Chase one, neighbors two, Jefferson Jefferson three, in that order. And I've always said that.
2: But honest. how much of a difference? Like how much, how much higher are you ranking? You
0: have. I have, I have, I think neighbors is better than Justin Jefferson.
2: As a prospect, but okay.
0: Just that's when it's all said and done in the, in, I think as a prospect, but I also think as an NFL career, when it's all said and done, I think chase has the best career out of the three. I think neighbors, obviously landing spot does matter, but um, I think he is that good. I think he's a better football player than Justin Jefferson. Um, that's a pretty bold statement, but yeah, like from thing. what I've seen in college, he was a better LSU Tiger. Um,
2: well, and, I, and I think prospect-wise, it's a different conversation than NFL production, right? Like yeah, Justin, and we just you know, don't uh,
0: know yet. Or, uh, yeah. Justin
2: Jefferson got force-fed. You know, yeah. I also think there is uh, something to be said about Justin Jefferson being second fiddle to Jamar Chase and him not being featured as much because, yeah, um, you know, that's why I think he he went later. But I always find it interesting, and I know there's another wide receiver, like their wide receiver too. I'm I'm blanking on. Brian blanking. Thomas, Brian oh. Thomas, yeah, he's supposed yep. to be a first round guy this year too, right? Yep,
1: yeah, yeah, he'll be drafted in the first round for sure.
2: Yeah, so yeah, I I I'm not as I dude I, I like I said I don't want to. I don't want to come off like I think Malik Neighbors isn't an elite wide receiver prospect because he is. I just think he's a little he bit more limited in terms of route tree, some of those things, and it could be because of Jay Pro- Daniels. Right? Yeah,
0: for sure. I promise you, he is man. He's the kind of receiver that like can be used as a possession receiver, but also make the big play. Like you, it's- you mentioned his big play ability. Like you know, he's the guy that you can have. Like you said with Marv, the third down sure-handed um run a, a quick slant over the middle he's going to catch that ball and you can take big swings with him. he's he's an elite wide receiver
2: yeah that's really someone insane. that's good to hear from someone you know that's really closely connected to it because i'm only yeah. watching a couple games a year right where it's like hey let me give my incredible and very clear he could take the top off of a defense right like he can dominate anyone deep but it really is the the possession stuff that i'm more worried about
0: incredible he's outstanding um, his hands are incredible. He catches balls in space. He catches balls in a, in a quick space. Uh, you know what I'm trying to say there, but he, he is an elite wide receiver.
2: His acceleration is um, different too. That's something I would unreal. give of Marv as well. Like he gets from zero to 60 very, very quickly. Um, okay, yep. cool. So I'm going to, if if I can give two perspectives here, I'll give a definitive perspective. That's going to be opposite of you guys just for, for talking points, but also, i just want to say if they do take caleb williams i believe they should trade that pick no matter who's available at nine um you need like the bears don't have this influx. Uh, I get it. Like there's 70 million cap right now, but you need to extend Jalen Johnson. If you select one in nine, your draft class is going to cost you about 15 million. So now you have 35 million to play with. Say you sign a deal, the Hunter, you know, then you're already talking about the way they're structuring things and the way polls seems to operate and the way the Kansas city chiefs operate. He's not going to exhaust cap and push all in this year. Right. So like, you're not going to get that much. You're getting Caleb Williams and, and whatever wide receiver prospect, um, unless Joe Alt's there. If Joe Alt's there at nine, which I don't think there's any chance he will be. I think he goes to Tennessee. If I were to mock him up, um, but if he's there, then I would I would strongly consider taking him at nine. Otherwise, I think there's some really, really good tackle prospects and wide receiver prospects that we discussed. That it's like you can move back to 15, 17, something like that. Someone will come up. I people don't want to, you know, he, he's starting to get more hype now, but the last thing I want to see is JJ McCarthy falling into the fucking Minnesota Vikings lap.
3: Um,
2: <laughs> and, and having to, you know what I mean? Like I do think he's a very good quarterback prospect and it it might, it might be Jaden Daniels, right? If you look historically over the draft, like it's not very common for four quarterbacks to go in the top 10. I think there's a a chance for it. Right. But like one of these guys is probably going to fall to 12. And I don't like the idea of the Vikings getting them. So having someone jump like the Broncos or something like that, jump to get their quarterback, you're going to get some really good value. Um, You know, maybe you're giving back Carolina's second in that, but you're also moving up to the first in 25, something like that. Um, I will add a little bit of perspective. So FanDuel and here's my reasoning on why I think they're keeping fields. Now, don't get me wrong. The, the Matt Eberflus slip up in the press conference, talking about continuing to grow while you build around him. I think that's, you know, uh, it could all be smoke and mirrors and just trying to increase fields trade value. Uh, I also think, you know, if you can maybe give up your third and get a first rounder from someone late, like a Pittsburgh Steelers at one of these playoff teams that needs a quarterback that then that changes my whole thought process. Um, Cause I am thinking about it from a team building perspective uh, opposed to the, Hey, we need an elite quarterback perspective. Cause I'm a bears fan. I'm used to just having dog shit at quarterback. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, that's the status quo. So um, I, I will say though, from an odds perspective. So like I said, Caleb Williams is a minus 15,000 to or 1500 to go to, to, to be the number one overall pick while the bears are only minus 300 to select him. So Vegas is telling you like, Hey, odds are that Caleb Williams is going to the bears, but this is not a done fucking deal. Right. Mm -hmm. And if fields does get traded between the combine and the draft, Mm -hmm. um, then you're going to see that number shoot to like minus 1400, right? Like right up there with whatever Caleb Williams odds are to go. Number one overall. I also saw a pretty major shift. Um and I do think it's the Sealers if he goes somewhere. Uh we we saw them shift from like plus 600 to minus 115. You got to follow the money, dude. Wherever like Vegas does not fucking lose. They lose sometimes and I could be completely wrong, but they typically do not lose. There's a reason why they're in business and they have the best statistic- statisticians and odds makers. Um I I like the idea of Bijan Robinson and um Fields running like Read option like that will terrorize defenses, right? Um, that'll open up so much for Bijan and they'll be able to tear it up in Atlanta. But I, I would say it's Pittsburgh. Um, but I took a bet it was plus 380 when it opened on FanDuel, it's no longer available, but it was plus 380 for the field to select number one overall. And the Bears was minus 600. Those odds shifted to minus 350 and plus 235. So that shift alone tells you, ah, this isn't a done deal. So yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say definitively that the bears trade down to two trade down to two for the Caleb Williams. And then they'll get a first rounder and a second rounder next year and a second rounder this year. And then they'll also trade down to three um, or maybe five, but I, w- I would assume they trade down to three for the Patriots. Cause Drake may seems like such a Patriots quarterback. You know what I mean? Like it just, yeah feels like it's a done deal already. So for them to, you know, you get an, get an extra second rounder this year and a second rounder next year to trade up that trade down that one spot. I don't think you're getting nearly as much from going from two to three. I think they select Mark and junior at number three, and then they'll either get one of Jared verse Brock Bowers or Olu at nine. Um, and yeah, I think, I think that's the, I think that's the way it goes. I think that the bears roll with fields for one more year. Um, and possibly adding competition, like in with one of their extra second rounders, they get this year, like a Spencer Rattler, you know, Spencer Rattler was a guy that I was very, very, very down on. Um, and he's just gotten better and better after he left Oklahoma and went to S you know, I wouldn't take him in the first round by any means. Right. But if you can get him in the third round, because typically when you see a run like that really high, um, that's when you'll see some of these other quarterbacks that are like, oh, he, he played well at the senior bowl or someone like a Pennix even, right? Like bring in some young competition that you can try to develop um, and also light a, a fire under Fields' ass. I'm not saying that's the solution, right? But like we saw how it worked with Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles. We saw how like Will Levis came in and definitely brought a spark to that Tennessee offense. Now there's dog shit on that Tennessee offense. But, um, you know, I can I can see something like that happening as well. So that's that's my – and it's really odds-based, um, and the way I've seen that the lines shift, I, I think they trade the pick. Um, uh, that's just my personal opinion, though.
1: Yeah, and speaking of odds, to support your argument, did you see um, what the odds-on favorite for the team that Fields will play for next year? Right, right now, the odds-on favorite it's, is the Steelers. It's, yeah, minus but, minus but the second is the Bears. So Vegas is saying the Bears are more probable to – hold on fields than it is that he has traded anywhere else other than the Steelers. I found that pretty alarming mm-hmm. myself when I was looking at it, I was like, all right, well, I, I guess there is some more merit to this whole uh, field sticking around thing. But uh yeah, I just wanted to in-
2: put that caveat in there. Cause I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you literally had the team president say, I would like for Ryan polls to emulate what we did last year. I mean, that's, Again, they could just be trying to increase Fields' trade value. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was afraid of. As much as people, you know, as much as people want to say, like, oh, well, Ryan Poles gets the final decision, we saw Meat Sweat Ted fucking meddle in all of the GM's business for 20 years. We had an accountant making football decisions. (laughs) So, like, as much as uh, the Bears are, the Bears are an extremely fucking dysfunctional organization. So, I do think that there's going to be some, and you got to think about it from a business perspective, too. Like, on Twitter, I feel like you see a lot of the, Oh, um, the bear, like we need Caleb Williams, but when it comes to in person, you know, you had the, the team chanting fields name and stuff like that. Like yeah. George McCaskey thinks about that stuff, branding, all that stuff. Like if the fan base really wants fields that bad and you can get a haul for, for Caleb Williams, I think it's a, it's a done deal to be honest. And
1: like, and that's to mention the the whole locker room as well, the whole locker room is behind fields. So yeah when you got the fans and the locker room uh, kind of chanting that same thing, it makes it a little bit more damning.
0: Um,
2: Sorry, I ranted. I know I was supposed to give you something definitive, but. No, it's great.
0: No, this has been great. I Luke asked me how long I thought the podcast was be, and I said 45 minutes. Here we are <laughs> coming on an hour and 45 minutes. I so, was I was worried um, it was going to be
1: like 20, 30 minutes. So I was like, oh, I well, mean, we'll see how this goes.
0: This is just proof that, like, you know, we haven't talked in over 10 years. We're both talkers, and that's what you guys saw here today. Um, so I, I really appreciate you coming on. It was great. Um, great talking to you, Greg, getting your perspective as a diehard Bears fan. Uh, I think we will be reaching out as some of this news unfolds, and we may do like an emergency Bears episode, and we'd love to have you on for that as well uh, and kind of be our voice of the – Uh, Chicago bear fan base. Uh, I know we have truck he's in house, but I really want to have guys like yourself who know the team, know the fan base grew up in it, uh, able to be a voice for those for the team. So really appreciate you coming on and had a blast.
2: Yeah. I had a great time with you guys. Um, it's awesome to, you know, I, I feel like I've met you before truck, but awesome to meet you chain, you know, and great to to catch up with you guys. I I had a really good time doing this. Um, and you know, I'm open to, to coming on whenever you want me to wonderful awesome Um,
0: well well, yeah um, we'll we'll, we'll get you in the guillotine league as well and uh, truck how how about you sign us out
1: yeah uh, we appreciate everybody watching liking uh, subscribing to the channel Uh, please let us know in the comments what you guys think uh, the bears are going to do with this uh, decision it's a massive decision and uh, we're interested to see what you guys think so uh, thanks for watching thanks for listening lucas thanks for joining us and uh, as always everybody buckle up